everyone. And the stage is yours. Thank you very much. Um, big welcome also from my side. Um, my name is Jan Lachenmeier and I'm hosting this session. And I quickly explain you why I am the one hosting this session. I work for NPACT. I'm director at NPACT. NPACT is a non-profit organization on the intersection between entrepreneurship and development cooperation. So what we do is we um, support entrepreneurs, we support startups with a focus on um, emerging markets and the developing world. So we do that in four programs. We have um, uh, four branches. One is mentoring. So since 2013, we do a mentoring program where we bring together startup founders from Europe with startup founders from different world regions. We started in the Middle East, North Africa. Now we have programs in East and West Africa. The second branch that we have is um, startup spaces. So we have physical spaces, co-working and founder centers, one in Tunis, in Tunisia, and this year we open one in Cairo, in Egypt. The fourth branch is Startup Connect. With Startup Connect, we organize delegation trips, we connect startup ecosystems, and currently we are doing that um, in support and with the state of Berlin, and we are um, organizing delegation trips for the state of Berlin to India, to China, and to Southeast Asia. And the fourth branch is um, Startup Meter, which is my main project I'm working for, and there we um, measure how startup-friendly cities are, how startup-friendly startup ecosystems are. Um, it's science approach, um, but more about that later because that is part of the second half of this session. So, startup ecosystems worldwide. We have two parts in this session. The first part um, is about ecosystem development from a public and um, from a private um, perspective. Um, we have two, um, dis dis discutants, no, two, two participants discutating, dis discussing with me um, from a public uh, point of view and from a private sector point of view um, how to develop startup ecosystems. And then the second part of this session um, is about... Um, research and practice from different world regions. Um, um, unfortunately, one speaker had to cancel, but we found a replacement within minutes, so I heard that five minutes ago, so that will be the, the more African perspective. Um, we're going to have Steph um, um, from Australia, um, Jakarta, um, giving a, um, an Asian-Pacific perspective, and uh, me, myself, giving a bit more of a Middle East, uh, North Africa perspective. Um, I want to invite you to engage in this session with questions. And therefore, now I invite you to pick your smartphone and go to the website slido.com and type in the event code 5020. And if you do so, there should be um, a poll that this is the testing, so to say, whether you are there, whether you are awake, whether you are active. So who is in the audience? If you can see that poll, um, please click. I hope this works. Usually technology does not work when you're on stage. That looks good. That looks very good. So this is kind of the testing. So your fingers are awake. If you had lunch now, it's time. 
to finish the digestion. Yes, very nice. We have entrepreneurs, we have startups, startup founders. Ooh, I like. Diverse audience, that's always good. Challenging, but good. I'm a big fan of diversity. So, this tool, um, in this tool, beside the poll, you can also post questions. So, what we're going to do after each part, first and the second part, we're going to invite questions from the audience, and there you can already post your questions, and you can also like the questions that you think are the most important to be answered. And we will try to answer at least a few of them. All right, so... Without further ado, I have to go back to the presentation. I'll invite... Ah, no. What is the startup ecosystem? That's what I wanted to say first. Because we are talking about startup ecosystems, but like, what is a startup ecosystem? Very briefly, a startup ecosystem is everything around um, startups and entrepreneurs that help to bring ideas into successful or maybe not so successful businesses. And this ecosystem is, is um, filled usually with multiple actors and, and all of them are important. Th those might be government agencies, those might, those might be universities in terms of not just the university itself but also the students that come from universities, um, research organizations, um, corporates of course, um, support organizations such as um, accelerators, co-working spaces, but also um, service providers, um, funding organizations, venture capitalists, business angels, um, public um, 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 funding organizations. So all this together is what we call a startup ecosystem. And all of these elements are important um, to make it more likely that startup founders are successful with their ventures. Um, and we want to pick out two players um, supporting these ecosystems and to help to develop these ecosystems. And um, therefore, I would like to invite on stage um, Dr. Rainer Seider from um, the Center Department for Economics, Energy and Public Enterprises. Rainer? Come on stage, and right away, yes, an applause. Ray Buchmann von, from Airbus BizLab, um, in particular, yeah, there are stairs. Welcome on stage. Take a seat, take a seat. And I'll take a seat as well. Thank you for letting me in the center. So, oh, I need my notes, I'm sorry. The mics, yeah, we have mics. So, so to my right, your left, we have the, the public perspective, and um, we're going to start with the public perspective. Um, Rainer, um, the state of Berlin initiated, actually you as an idea giver, but the state of Berlin in collaboration with the GIZ initiated a project called Startup Asia Berlin. How come that the state of Berlin is, is, is establishing such a, such a project? 
And what is it about? Yeah, thank you very much for the question. I just stand up so that everybody can see me. Also, there are some obstacles on the stage. So thank you very much for the question. Um, so we, we had the, uh, I'm, I'm responsible for the Asia Pacific Week in Berlin for 21 years now. And two years ago, we had the idea to do more for, for startups. And as, as I'm responsible for development cooperation and uh, economic cooperation, the idea of having a, a, a project which combines uh, development cooperation and economic cooperation, especially for Berlin uh, SMEs and especially for startups, that gave birth to, to the common project with the GIZ of Startup Asia Berlin two years ago. And we wanted to, to do what we already started within the Asia Pacific Week. We wanted to do it also in Asia. So with the roadshows to starting with Manila, Jakarta and Bangalore and that we did twice, and the idea is to make what, what Jan explained before from one ecosystem, which is Berlin, making a combination of uh, our network of ecosystems for startups, so that a startup could pick from different cities which are, have an ecosystem for startups, um, their partners, so talents, uh, corporates, financing, VCs, angels, and so on, and to combine, to build up their own startup ecosystem around the world, so starting with Asia for our, our case. So that's the reason we invented Startup Asia Berlin, and we had now uh, two roadshows to Manila, Jakarta, Bangalore, and, and what we started now this year is to enlarge the, the project, and we, we took into the program China, um, and want to see this year with a, with a roadshow Beijing, Shenzhen, and Hong Kong. And we put into the program Delhi uh, together with Bangalore, which has already been in. And we, we also want to go on with Thailand and Malaysia in our project and Singapore this year. So this is the idea. Then, so in fact, the, in, a, in a nutshell, the idea is challenging a big super ecosystem for startups like the Silicon Valley with uh, intelligent combination of single startup ecosystems around the world, starting with Asia. Sounds challenging. Um, and you want to add something? Yeah, yeah you, you asked me also, what, what is the, the role of the state of Berlin? Why do we do that and not a private company like uh, Airbus Bislab? Um, because we build infrastructure. So if you say, what's the role of the, the state? It's giving, building infrastructure. And the network of, uh, infra, of uh, startup ecosystem is a kind of infrastructure because we know that small companies on their own will not be able to have a transparent view of, of the world and the, the possibilities and challenges in the other ecosystems. So giving an access point through a hub management to other ecosystems makes it much easier for small companies to, to know what, what's happening in other parts of the world. And not, they don't have to travel always with, to, to these regions, but for instance, within the Asia-Pacific Week, there is opportunity to see, to see the people here because we have had representatives from all these ecosystems for the last two weeks and still now for Republica, we have several representatives of Startup Asia Berlin even here in the room, and so there are contact points, the possibilities to make it easier, bringing the people to Berlin. So maybe the people from Startup Asia Berlin, from the last roadshow, these activities, and they would just stand up so that you can contact them afterwards, maybe after the session. So okay, who's from Startup Asia Berlin here in the room? Please stand up that we can see. So. Okay. Oh, thank you. So, and, and when I'm, if I'm a startup, um, let's say I'm a startup in Berlin, 
And um, how could I benefit from, from Startup Asia Berlin and the infrastructure? Um, you can benefit in uh, just um, participating in the Asia-Pacific Week, which are just over, so it's a bad moment, or in one of the roadshows to Asia, and we have a, a, a website, Startup Asia Berlin, and where you can apply for our, our uh, delegation trips to uh, India, China, and ASEAN right now. Um, and then you can, and of course you can ask questions to us, the representatives here, and of course Jan, because Jan and Anpact are our um, institution that's putting Startup Asia Berlin into, into practice. So, of course now, I, if I ask the question, I know the answers already, which is a bit, <laughs> which is a bit odd, but um, I assume you don't know the answer. So, um, the question, so if I decide, like, if... From a European perspective, we say we go to Asia, but that's a bit like if we say we go to Europe, um, it, it's, or even bigger, of course. So there are a lot of um, different countries, um, and 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 from a startup perspective, if I have to make um, a market test, um, um, how many countries are on the Startup Asia Berlin platform? How could I leverage on that? Um, so right now, I think there are 10 countries on our platform, uh, so or at least in the network, and uh, and there there are different possibilities in, in seeing which is is the uh, a good opportunity for you. It's just speaking to people, visiting uh, events, joining our delegation trip, and of course there will be uh, later on. You will explain about uh, Startup Meter, where the the ecosystems that we we are um, working with uh, is our measured uh, on their startup friendliness with an, a new index which will be presented by you afterwards. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Good, okay. So, um, and you signed um, last week, or I can say we, we signed um, um, three memoranda of understanding um, with uh, Malaysia, with uh, Thailand, with Indonesia, with the German accelerator Southeast Asia based in Singapore. So how does that... Um, pave the way for the future. Uh, of course, that what, what we are doing here in Berlin uh, from the, the state of Berlin side uh, that needs partners in, in Asia. So we have up, up to now, we, we had uh, hub management um, and now what, what is very important, we, we wanted to have more institutional partners. And in order to do, do that, we, we signed agreements with uh, institutional partners like National Innovation Agency in, the, in Thailand or MDEC in, in Malaysia or BICRAF in Indonesia. We, we probably will join on the long run uh, uh, an MOU with uh, um, Startup India or Invest India. And so to give an institutional partner at the other side, because if you want to build a bridge, it is not enough to have a part of the bridge here and building something over over the ocean, but you need another part at the other side. So that's important and that's the idea of having these institutional partners that could also give money, which is necessary because up to now the project is run only with public money from the GIZ and the state of Berlin. And in future we want to have more contribution, of course, of, of the, the, the countries we are working with. And for that we need uh, institutional partners that might be from the, the, the state side or institutions, agencies, which are working for the state. Thank you, Rainer. Okay, that's um, one public uh, perspective in terms of ecosystem development.
And now to my left, um, we have um, Ray Buchmann from, uh, from Airbus BizLab in Hamburg. I saw you are also in Bangalore. There's a kind of an overlapping already. Um, and um, you're of German and Ghanaian origin. Um, and, and probably also that's why you're interested or, or working on the Africa for Future initiative. Um, so what is that all about? Um, explain a little bit. Everything in once. <laughs> one step after. All right, one step after. I will stay seated. I'm sorry for the guys on the side. Um, but <laughs> All right. So you have mentioned we have a global network of Airbus Biz Labs, meaning we have one in Toulouse, uh, one in Hamburg, and then the other one in Bangalore. And that's actually a really interesting um, connection between the Biz Lab in Bangalore and what we do in Germany and connected to Asia Pacific Week. Because one of the startups in the Bangalore Biz Lab had the use case with the Airbus manufacturing facilities in Hamburg. So actually the startup came then um, in the, when it was, let's say when the, when the use case was defined and the proof of concept was defined, they came for the implementation. It was really successful for the team. They basically built a digital twin of the manufacturing site and then through data integration and artificial intelligence, they can predict or prevent failures. And beyond this proof of concept, which is already, I think, something really cool for a startup to have, they actually landed a contract with Airbus, and they are now delivering this technology to that plant. And they have just, last week at Asia Pacific, actually, they won the pitching competition. They're called Newi. So they are, because of this new contract now, they're setting up shop in Europe and with two offices, in Ham uh, one in Hamburg and the other one in Toulouse, and continue working with the large corporate. That's a very specific example that I have picked out, but it really describes what we are doing. On the one hand, we have startups that are getting into our program. In one of the three locations, they are coming from all over the world, except for one or two continents. That's what I will talk about in a second. Mm. And then our objective is to bring them into partnership. And we finance the proof of concept. So actually, we are seeing us as an internal early stage investor or early risk taker because a lot of the departments they might be interested in the technology but they w have no way of f even paying for that because of the procurement processes or because of the legal processes or because of NDAs whatever so we are taking all of this risk out they can really easily talk with each other do their proof of concept and then afterwards decide now with a trust relationship if they want to continue working with each other okay And then I observed you in the session before. There was a pitch, pitch session here of startups, and there was a startup from Africa uh, in the, um, having drones, um, and, and you were kind of aware, and I was connecting the dots, because I know some of the startups from the African for Future initiatives are delivering humanitarian aid um, via drones. Is that correct? So maybe to a few words on Africa for Future. So we have about uh, contact with about 1,000 startups now throughout the last three years, throughout the last three seasons. We have each year around 100 to 150 applications and the number of applications from, sub from any African country or Latin America or Southeast Asia are maybe 10 if, and that would be probably an exaggeration. So we had to, and me personally, uh, personally, I'm really enthusiastic about Africa and sub, especially Sub-Saharan Africa and what is going on in these ecosystems. And I think more and more can be done on aerospace technology basis. 
So we started Africa for Future really as a first as a learning journey for ourselves because uh, for the other location, it was quite obvious that we go there because we already have Airbus offices installed and it could be a really easy match in most of the African countries, actually all of them except for South Africa. There's no basis of, F of Airbus engineers that could connect with the startups because what we believe as a corporate accelerator, the added value that we can bring is the knowledge of our engineers, of our internal teams that can connect with the startups. Mm -hmm. That's why we started Africa for Future as a first edition. It went really well. We identified a few startups, similar to like, the NPEC trip. We brought them over for connections with the engineers and with the top management. And now individually, we are following up a few of them. And yes, drones, as, as Mama Bird put out before, is something that we see more and more. The other topics that we see coming up is remote sensing. So you fly either with a satellite or any kind of other vehicle, uh, like a drone over an area. You take aerial imagery and then you, um, based on data analysis and visual inspection, you actually analyze the picture and can do lots of stuff in agriculture, in insurance, in wildlife conservation. Uh, and other technologies. So that's what we see more and more coming up. And for us, it's really an interesting journey to connect to those entrepreneurs and to connect especially also to those community and innovation hubs and see how they are leveraging these technologies for the use case there. And we are at the moment in the preparation for the second edition. I cannot tell you right now what it is because I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Uh, but probably within the month or so, we are able to talk more about that. Okay. Thank you, Ray. Um, a question to both of you now. Um, in terms of ecosystem development, um, what, what can and, and should um, the public or the private sector contribute um, to develop ecosystems? And what are the limitations? Like what should they not do or what, 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 they, what can they not do? I have no idea. Thank I think the first thing from my set of learning was first to understand what an ecosystem is. Uh, I think the risk is of a corporate uh, using the power imbalances, cherry pick, take that startup out and kind of integrate it into your supply chain, whatever. Uh, but you're taking out a really important element of that ecosystem. And also this idea of cherry picking and just going and taking what you want and leave out the rest and don't care about how the ecosystem is built is something that is not really helping. So we are actually ac actively engaging in our immediate environment. When we talk about Hamburg, it's the northern Germany, but also coming here over to Berlin. That's why we are here to connect with the people, understand what is needed. It's the same thing we did when we went to Cape Town and Nairobi in Africa for Future and really connect with the people and from there start building on what is needed. And also based on that, choose our location and these kind of things. So that's a mix of uh, what you should not do and what you should be doing connecting the dots, uh, providing vet, uh, added value to the ecosystem. So, for example, also on our side, we decided against an equity model. We are not, through the accelerator, we are not taking any equity in the startup. We focus on uh, delivering a proof of concept and being this early stage risk taker that we are able to do. We have an Airbus Ventures, so they are a corporate venture capital fund, and they can then later on take an equity stake if it's wanted on both sides. So, so what is the interest then, I have to pick in that a bit deeper, um, what is the interest of Airbus then, because some might say, okay, it's a big corporate and they are looking for uh, a potential market there and or young startup ideas which they then can buy or f like if we take it on a, from the negative 
point of, of view. Um, so, so what is the, the ambition for Airbus to help entrepreneurs in, in Africa? So there's uh, there, what we call, we call it speed of innovation and lower barriers of entry. The new technologies that are being developed, like drones, like uh, blockchain for supp uh, supply chain um, uh, tracking, or remote sensing, visual inspection, all these technologies, they are basically not owned anymore by our industry. Our industry was very closed, and we controlled a lot of the market. But these new technologies that are being developed in those local ecosystems, they are pushing into the market. So actually, what we are trying to do is that the smartest entrepreneurs and the smartest people, they can take their technologies and apply it to our industry or to other industries. Mm -hmm. And we want that they apply it to the aerospace industries. For example, if people think about mobility, that they think about drone mobility. Uh, when people think about autonomy, developing autonomous vehicles, they think about drones as autonomous vehicles. If they think about electrification and building um, higher powered batteries, they think of, again about our vehicles. That's one of our main features and that's why we need to actually reach out to a lot of people and, and in our program so far we had about 47 startups. Only eight of them, or sorry, 10 of them are in a collaborative agreement with Airbus. That means that there are still 37 startups out there. They are not dead. They haven't failed. They just didn't manage to get a contract with Airbus, but they are, have reached a higher level. Some of them also got some investment, and maybe they are now working in a different industry. So in that way, I think it's a give and take um, between, as, between a corporate and the startup ecosystems. Hmm. And the same applies to Africa and every, anywhere in the world. I think the behavior doesn't change. Um, Rainer? Yeah, um, thank you very much. Um, I think uh, the, the role of the state is just to, um, to do something against imbalances because if we know, or if you work worldwide for a corporate, it's quite easy to have the subsidies and the partners all over the world, which is not the case for SMEs in general. That's not startup-specific. What is startup-specific is that the interest in internationalization is very, um, maybe very different from a normal SME. A normal SME starts its internationalization through exports, sometimes then production, uh, maybe development afterwards. For startup, in Berlin at least, uh, internationalization starts through talents. So most uh, Berlin startups, uh, in most Berlin startups, you speak English because the employees are coming from all over the world, and so you need a common language that's English. So it's not the first approach is exportation, but the people you're working with that's very very specific. That's nothing has nothing to do with the role of the state. But then if you go to the world looking for finance, looking for talents worldwide maybe, looking for, as a normal SME, for markets, for, for VCs, for angels that just want to have invest, but they want to take you uh, in, in, into their home market. That's very specific and that's very difficult for, for an SME or a startup to, to see and to, to, to manage itself. So, of course, we would not find uh, talents or VCs or investors or an accelerator for a startup. That's task of, of the companies, but we would like to build the infrastructure to make that possible through events and delegation trips and maybe a, a platform in the internet uh, 
um, that's, I think, the possibility we can do, and so or reduce it, as I've said before, building the infrastructure. So, like streets or universities or uh, uh, infra, uh, um, train train services, you we offer uh, a cooperation bridges to other startup ecosystems to make it easier to combine the strengths and to find what you need outside your own local ecosystem. Because inside, and that's interesting, for most Berlin startups, they don't need any help of the state. So when we ask in Berlin, that's maybe different in other cities as well. But in Berlin, most startups don't need support. Uh, from from the state of Berlin, they but but once they go international, they need support. If you we go, for instance, to Jakarta or Manila or Bangalore, um, space is very often a problem, and so it might be interesting for a city or a state to to supply space for also co-working spaces, which we don't do really really often in, in Berlin. What we did do in Berlin is to implement a VC fund at the Investment Bank of Berlin, and that's quite interesting as a model, because this VC invests only 50% of a VC's money, and the other 50% have to come from the private sector. So it is the, it's a VC investment linked to an investment of a private sector, and I think that's, again, a possibility a state can do just to combine the strength of the state with the strength of the, the private economy. But in, in my view, that's already the, 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 the only one, one possibility that's already going quite far. Um, but that's a possibility that could serve as a model to other startup ecosystems just to put money into the system, especially if it's a young and unmature ecosystem. It is very important maybe to support it also with investment. And you haven't asked that question, but I actually want to talk about it and make it explicit because I see the time is running out. Uh, I think something very important, the relation to relationship between public and private, and that's important to make it out here, is or make it explicit here, is that in Europe, so in our locations in Hamburg and Toulouse, we benefit a lot of the established public infrastructure. I mean, we have... A, we have a lot of startups that are financed to exist in Germany through the scholarship. We have a lot of, uh, I would say, 80% of the teams that come into our accelerator, they're actually uh, university PhD student spin-outs, especially when we talk about advanced technologies. Then beyond that, there's a, a vibrant business angel ecosystem, which is also a lot of times matched with uh, public money, if we think about high-tech Gründerfonds or similar things. So as a corporate, we benefit a lot from this uh, coexistence and this co-relationship. Whereas when you go into the other, other ecosystem, that's why I think Startup Berlin and uh, also what GIZ, Make IT Accelerator, are doing in Africa and so on, it's really important because they are bringing um, and also bringing awareness to the local um, institutions and also local people with high private wealth to invest into their own ecosystems where we can then again find the symbiosis and work together. Keep the mic. I'm already collecting questions and this one fits quite well. Um, does Airbus BizLab partner with public sector and, and other local partners in the country um, where the startups are from? So up to now, we have not signed 
uh, formal partnership with any public sector. But uh, we have the Ministry of Economy, uh, we have the Secretary for our industry, we had the, the in, in Hamburg, there's the Investment Förderbank, all of them are always coming to our events, we are actively engaging with them, and we know how important they are. There was the one case for one startup, just because at the time Mr. Gabriel was still the Minister of Economy, he came through the accelerator, and three weeks later, the EXIST scholarship was signed, which gives them a lot of proof that, okay, there's something going on here. So this letter is the informal partnership. Uh, right now, when we're thinking about um, Africa and Africa for Future, the first iteration we did by ourselves, but for the second one, we are thinking much more into partnering with public institutions. Okay, and there's another question. Um, how do you support these startups post-BizLab program? Okay, so we have basically three forms. One is... It was nice that you were here, but it doesn't work out, and uh, we'll come when you want and have a coffee, but that's the end of the relationship. Uh, the second one is a startup stays around because there's an interest from Airbus side, but we were not yet able to sign any kind of agreement. So in that case, they can sign up for the post-acceleration program, and we give them another chance for six months sticking around, but our active engagement and coaching goes a little bit down. And then we have the third form that right after the program, the let's say the home home department with whom they are collaborating has signed a procurement contract and then they become uh, in supplier to Airbus. So then it's managed through a procurement supplier relationship. Okay, there I take one last question here and I think that goes towards you, Rainer. And, and that is, why are you focusing on so exotic um, places like um, Asia and not on um, um, Eastern Europe, for example, or, or within Germany? Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's um, that's exactly uh, what what uh, what I try try to explain. It's we we are not so needed as a state to to build bridges to to Poland or to the U.S. Because of course most uh, so most German startups they at least they consider Austria and Switzerland as is German speaking. But as in Berlin, as they speaking English anyhow, they are considering the European Union and and North America anyhow. So normally they don't need us for getting access to the different uh, startup ecosystems. With the exotic places in, in Asia, uh, it's different because it's, it's far away, it's different language. Uh, so by the way, most startup ecosystems speak fluent English, so that's, that's very easy. Um, but n many people don't know that. They don't know so much about the Philippines or Indonesia uh, or, or uh, Vietnam, and they think it's impossible to go through, and it's difficult. There is bureaucracy sometimes. There is a, there is a um, lack of infrastructure. So that's the other behavior of the people. So it's, it's not so evident to, to get to these exotic countries, and that's the reason we want to help by building bridges with, with our initiatives uh, because we build the bridges where it's needed and where the support of the state is needed and not where uh, the people and the startups can go anyhow. All right, I think there are a lot of more questions but uh, unfortunately we have to flip to the second part of the session. So, um, Ray, Rainer, thank you very much. So, thank you. yes, an applause. Um, coming to the second part of um, this, pa uh, this panel, uh, this session, I would ask um, Stephanie Aerosmith for, from Second Muse on stage and uh, Kutzai 
I'm also on stage. This is a big surprise also for me, so I don't know anything about you. Um, unfortunately, uh, Bozun had to, had to uh, cancel um, or had to travel earlier home to, um, to Nigeria because of family issues. So now it's a surprise session for me as well. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Yes, exactly. So we're going to explore together. So as you're the question mark, um, I give you the mic and tell a bit about what you're doing, um, um, which perspective you have in terms of um, practically uh, being in the startup ecosystems. All right, thank you very much. Uh, my name is Kudzai Mubaiwa and I'm based in Arare in Zimbabwe. So that's a Southern African country, um, new president. Now, um, I'm not Bosan, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, just coming in to cover for him, but I do work, you know, within um, the enterprise development space as well as the, with startups in Zimbabwe. And I'm just going to come in and weigh in on, uh, you know, an African perspective, really, of the startup ecosystem, um, how it's a shared responsibility, and a few other things around that. Okay. So um, then, then, then from, from your maybe start at your startup ecosystem so what are the learnings like on the ground to um, from your side sure I think what I could say with uh, great authority is that the greatest learning is that you know startups are a shared responsibility um, certainly I think from the diagram that you put up at the very beginning you will find that even within the African perspective um, and I perhaps would use Zimbabwe as a great illustration you will recognize that you do need government to be working in there you need um, you know private sector to be working in there you need a whole lot of different organizations to be working in there but I think one of the key things that's very unique about the African scenario is that if a startup is going to scale up uh, they literally have to be cognizant of Africa itself not as a country but as a continent because it's very difficult to scale up um, within one country, not, mm. no one country in Africa really would make up uh, significant numbers. Perhaps a few like Nigeria, which have really great numbers, but the average uh, you know, uh, startup that is going to scale up within an African ecosystem would really need to actually be cognizant of the entire continent as a space to scale up in. So how do you do that then? Um, I think the idea is just to make sure that you know, once one starts uh, in, in this path, they begin to make the connections that are necessary. Um, if Bosan had made it, I'm sure he would have spoken about how as a CC Hub, being one of the earliest you know, mm. accelerator programs um, you know, in Africa, uh, in, in, though based in, in West Africa, which is um, you know, in Nigeria, uh, one of the key um, programs that they've had recently is one which was called XYZ, where they were partnering with Google. And mm. they literally took um, the best African startups, if I may call it that. And I'm glad to say that one of them, uh, Golix.com was from Zimbabwe taking them around the world, um, you know, some, some of them are through some places in Europe where they could begin to meet up with partners, meet up with other African startups, uh, meet up with potential funders, because it was quite difficult for them just to scale up within the Zimbabwean context only, or for the other respective startups that went into that program to scale up within their respective uh, partners. So I think what is continually emerging for African startups is the need to begin to develop knowledge of, you know, other countries and how, what the dynamics are in there with a view to scale up in those particular economies if they should do so. So especially at a certain stage, then um, there is the need for um, networks and access in order to gain the knowledge 
for scaling to to the whole region. If Absolutely. You so it's not just the knowledge, um, but partnerships. Partnerships always matter because uh, the unique thing about Africa, obviously, is that it's one continent, but it's not a country, and there are dynamics that are unique to each and every area. I think in the first session we did have uh, some conversation around how infrastructure is important. So the levels of infrastructure are quite different in the different African countries. And what is important is to actually have some kind of understanding. So knowledge will matter. Um, but at the same time, also, it's important to have the links that are necessary um, to funding, which is always a big issue with many mm. startups. Um, just finding the right size of funding is not that easy to do within a local uh, you know, uh, perspective, but it can be done if one has a very global outlook, as it were. Mm. Okay. So I think there are more questions that will follow, but I would like first to introduce everyone on, on the stage. Um, Steph, Frontier Innovators. Sure, um, and I'll give a, a little bit of my background as well. Um, um, and before I do that, Jan was mentioning before, I'm sort of Australian, Indonesian, something, something. Um, I was born and raised in Jakarta, Indonesia, and also grew up in Australia. So I like to think I'm literally that bridge of the Asia-Pacific ecosystem, and I hope I can share a bit about that and the work that we've done in the region. Um, so I'm co-founder of Impact Hub Jakarta, which is a co-working collaboration space, and also an associate at um, Second Muse, which is an innovation, we're a B Corp, and we're an open open innovation company working at the intersection of public sector and private sector innovation. We really believe in the collective intelligence that can be solutions that be, can be created through this collective intelligence. Um, and we, used approach, we use an approach we call network-centered innovation, so building communities and ecosystems at the same time as building these startups that we incubate and accelerate. So I'll share a bit more about that as well. So one of the reasons why I'm sharing here is um, we just ran a program. It's currently in implementation phase right now as well. We have some of the learnings from it, and it's called Frontier Innovators. We partnered with the Australian government, the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, um, and the new department that was formed under them in 2015 called um, the Innovation Exchange. And it's a kind of a cool subset of the of you know a, a more traditional government that seeks to innovate in the ways that they support developing nations. Um, so traditionally, the aid program has only supported uh, large institutions, and in this program, what we sought to do is actually support market-based approaches to development, which meant sourcing and scaling some of these startups. So what was really cool was this is the first time the program has run, um, and we achieved over 700-plus applications from over 31 countries in the Asia-Pacific. So this was open to all the nations that traditionally would receive uh, our aid recipient nations from the Australian government. And we were targeting growth stage businesses and startups. So those who had innovative ideas to traditional development issues that many non-for-profits were already trying to tackle and those weren't working. We're looking for startups that are uh, challenging these solutions in different ways. Um, what was part of this network-centered approach, and some of the reasons why we're here today is uh, we formed an advisory group, and that actually comprised of different innovation hubs, um, VCs, uh, different angel investment networks that existed in the region, because we knew that with the diversity of Asia-Pacific, you had to work with existing players on the ground. Uh, governments can't go in and be extractive in nature. They need to build these ecosystems, too, and that's something uh, GIZ in the state of Berlin is um, practicing through programs like Swab as well. So that's quite cool. Um, and we had 32 finalists and 15 winners. I'll share a bit more about our learnings and deep dive. Um, but 
we have a full learning report actually available that I can share with you later and a full data set on this. But some of the sectors we covered include new approaches to health um, and technology, agriculture, education, environment. So these are areas traditionally that um, larger institutions would try to tackle. And what we're doing is saying, you know what, startups could have the solutions of the future for this region. Um, I won't go into too much detail here, but what was interesting for us is the top uh, countries that came out of this, maybe unsurprising, but Indonesia, woohoo, um, Bangladesh, um, Pakistan, Vietnam, um, Cambodia. And you're probably wondering, where's Singapore, where's China, where's India? So they're not aid recipient nations, so unfortunately we're not eligible for this, uh, this program. The program itself provided $100,000 worth of grant funding from the Australian government. And this is significant because that's actually quite a catalytic size in, in the Asia-Pacific market. It's very hard to achieve that size of grant. Um, and we are working directly with different investors to see how that could be part of a blended finance approach. How can we use that to actually de-risk additional investment? as well. Um, and average years of operation, five years, majority male uh, founders, and we noticed actually the differences within specific countries and sub-regions sub as well. Um, but there's a lot of data on this, I won't share too much, we can go into it later. I'll pass it back to you. <laughs> Thank you. So now I'm going to swap my um, hat. Um, I take off my uh, moderator hat and I pick on my um, participant hat and I show you um, what we do with Startup Meter because we measure startup ecosystems and um, that looks like this. Um, we came to the point that that why do we do that? We, we realized there are a lot of hypotheses out there. What is needed in an ecosystem, what is not needed, and everyone thinks they know what is needed. And we said at some point, um, there's no point about arguing, we just provide data and then we're going to see. And that was kind of the initial spark for Startup Meter. So what we did is um, we developed a, a framework, a methodology, to measure startup ecosystems. And when I say startup ecosystem, we always think of a city. Because a city makes sense as an ecosystem. On a country level, this is a totally different di dimension. Um, the salaries might be very different. The infrastructure is very different. So for us, one crucial point was to figure out startup ecosystem system is a city. And then um, we created a structure uh, and an index, which makes it a little bit attractive to compare because everyone wants to rank good. We framed it as a startup friendliness index. And this is what we came up with um, in December last year, where we launched predominantly in the MENA region. Last week, we expanded towards Asia during the Asian Pacific week. And this is kind of like the, the, the actual state um, of, of the ranking. And I just show you a little bit how you, you could address that. So what we do here, and, and you can, of course, explore yourself on the website, startupmeter.org, you can compare. And, and, and so here you see um, what we do. Those are what we call the domains. We have six domains, and all of them comprise an ecosystem. Domains are kind of like th themes, topics. Um, under, under human capital, there's something like talent pool and universities, and you can just go more into detail. At the end, we have 81 indicators. Um, um, explore them yourself. Um, but important here, what I want to mention is all those elements are important. It is about being balanced in all of them. It does not help if you are very strong in just 
on a financing component or if you just have the talent, if the talent is there and you don't have the, the finance or if all of that is given but um, office space is horribly expensive and you don't have a, a solid internet connection. So kind of that gives kind of a, a, a picture of, of what is needed in order to get um, a strong, a mature um, startup ecosystem. Um, not a surprise is that in the ranking from the cities that we had on the map, and you saw it's quite limited yet, it's on, only 11 cities so far, Singapore ranked number one. Um, why those 11? Well, we are very pragmatic. Um, those were the ones we had access to. Um, the data is gathered through uh, sources, primary data sources and secondary data. What does that mean? We need um, partners on the ground to distribute online questionnaires. That is the primary data source. The secondary data is um, reliable sources like the World Bank. And, and so the idea is actually to add many more cities. So if you have someone who's interested, if you have someone who knows about this, we want to have 30 plus cities by this year on the map. And The whole idea behind that is to make them comparable, but even more than derive out of that policy recommendations. So what is it that is needed most in a respective ecosystem? Um, where, you, where do you have the highest leverage? And from a startup perspective, it is in which region do you want to go? Um, and I think that's something we can discuss now is also, um, is the world getting flatter in terms of all ecosystems are developing and all are getting more of the same, becoming more of the same? Or, and that is more my stake, just to take that, uh, um, is we should find the strengths in each ecosystem. So it's not more of the same, actually it is more of a specialization. Um, what? So? Don't forget your questions. Yes. You, 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 you looked at the questions? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious because we're talking about very large regions, so it'd be really great to get more specific about what you guys want to learn about. But don't forget Slido.com um, and the code is 5020. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. But I just wanted to comment as well on, on the data set. So I was also part of the Startup Asia Berlin um, Roadshow. And through these efforts, I discovered there's a, actually a lot of this ecosystem building, hap building happening at a local level. And the question for me is like, how do we get our ecosystems working more cohesively together? Because there's an incredible opportunity for cross-learning. And even our data set, we're, we're working and, and collaborating with Impact to see how our 700 applications and that data um, can be fed through into existing tools um, like the Startup Meter. Mm. So uh, I would like to ask you, um, um, what is in your regions, like from the findings, from the, from, from the research, from, from the work in the, on the ground, like what is in, in your city ecosystems, but also maybe regional, um, what is needed most from your point of view? I think I'd be correct to say that from our region, what would be needed most is um, the financing. Um, and I say so because uh, I think ours is really more of a, a, an emerging uh, type of startup you know, uh, economy, as it were. And um, not many people necessarily understand how startups work or how they're financed. So you'll find that in a typical African setup, um, you, know, you can find local money that is going into very small, um, diverse type of small businesses, but not quite at the large scale. And so I think just getting that understanding um, and getting links to that kind of uh, size of financing is, is what would um, be the most important thing. I, qu I found it quite interesting that um, the indicators, they uh, included things like, you know, your human capital, which I find is not quite...
quite a problem. And mm. you, you did raise something around, um, so do we have only one place that is really good at something or mm. is, every, is it flat? Is everybody good at everything? I feel that, you know, we still have to some extent some kind of silos um, in that you know, there are certain things that perhaps you may find that in the African region are, are great to find. So you might be able to find the human capital you require, but not necessarily perhaps a, a really good internet connection or other infrastructural things. So I think for us, we are still at that stage where we are emerging and there's still a whole lot of learning and perhaps a, a bit of catching up to do. Thank you. Um, I think one of the biggest myths about the Asia region, everyone gets very, very excited because we have a lot of high growth startups emerging, but they're only... They're small drops in what is a huge ocean of, of startups. And it's not actually the challenge of um, availability of capital. It's the size of capital that just doesn't match a lot of these smaller emerging market situations. And it's the type of capital. Um, if we, part of our research showed that a lot of these startups didn't want to take equity, actually. So it, because it's, it's perceived a little bit differently in our, in our Asian context, um, there's, there's a power dynamic that is less comfortable for a lot of these startups who are, who are setting up. So some of those interest, interesting insights emerge from, from this data set. So I think we need to explore further. How do we provide newer, newer forms of financial tools and financial products available to this market? Um, and how do we work with them closely to understand um, what that should look like? Because I think we've applied a, a lot of the Western VC lens into this Asian market. And it's, it's not and not terribly um, appropriate in our context. And so what we're trying to do through this, these programs as well is, is build that network. I mentioned the advisory group, and there's about 25 funders of different sizes, and we, we do a lot of work um, getting them across the table with Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade to say, okay, if we're going to build new uh, financial instruments, what should they look like in Asia? So I think that's one thing, and it's a big misconception that we constantly have to correct. Um, the next is, is really our talent pool and capability building. Um, so I think a lot of our incubation acceleration programs have a lot to learn. Again, I think they've been adopted from Silicon Valley models and don't necessarily match um, where we are at and the way we want to learn and the way we grow our startups and scale. So I think um, there's a level of rigor that needs to be added into the um, capability building on the ground. And we actually need to start earlier as well. A lot of, um, a lot of investors are waiting on the other side of the pipeline and going, where are, where are these startups that we can invest in? And it's because they've failed to actually support them in an earlier stage. And that's where we want sustainable startups. We don't want, just want the ones that disappear overnight. Hmm. Um, I'm picking up a question here from the audience that um, was asking um, how does Silicon Valley or Berlin score on the startup meter, um, as it was not on a map, and so I take that on. Um, um, we don't know yet. Why did we start with this focus is because our focus was on developing world, on the developing world and emerging markets. So there are some indicators out there for the more mature ecosystems, but we said like um, the, the biggest de development and understanding is needed somewhere else. Um, that's nonetheless, we are still interested in, in adding Berlin. Why? Um, because we found out that it's... Uh, sometimes difficult to understand the numbers if you don't have a point of reference. And usually where you're from is your point of reference. So th there I can only um, um, speak out an invitation um, to help us distribute our questionnaire. We are happy to add uh, many more. Um, also in, in terms of if you saw the numbers, um, because the indicators are ranked between zero and 100, just to give an understanding on that, 
the, the data is normalized, so it's not absolute, absolute numbers, but it's um, always, in order to make it comparable, normalized between 0 and 100, where 0 is weak and low is very good in, an, in a certain indicator. With this approach, we also um, followed um, a comparative approach, so that we go away from, we are in the north, um, or in the West, and this is how it should be, and the others should develop it in that way. It is a comparative approach um, where it's always where we always look from all the ecosystems that we measured, who is doing best in a certain category, who is scoring weakest, and this then gives the number of 100 and 0, and the rest is uh, ranked according. You're happy to, to add. I'm, I'm, I'm multitasking here right now, I was, so I'm I was, trying I was just to going look to weigh at the in, question. I was just going to weigh in and say it would be interesting also to get um, um, some statistics around uh, Zimbabwe itself and uh, particularly Harare, mm. which is the city that I, I come from. But I also wanted just to co-sign what, what you'd said to say, um, I think perhaps I should also have expanded to say when it comes to issues of financing from an African perspective, I think we face a similar issue where we're saying um, we may look up to Silicon Valley or whatever other place as a, a measure, um, but I think the greater challenge is to try and actually customize you know, the kind of financing that we receive. Again, we also have control issues. So your typical startup um, owner is not quite willing to give up, you know, equity and, and receive capital. But I still think that there's room for growth if you can be able to craft the financing in a way that is, uh, you know, acceptable to our startup owners. Um, perhaps other thing that is there is issues just to do with policy uh, from a government perspective. Mm. Sometimes I feel that, you know, uh, the money that we require, the financing is, is present, um, but perhaps it just is a lack of understanding on how best to finance and to support startups in, in our ecosystem. System. Mm. Yeah, just to add to that, what we found was actually a lot of um, startups struggled to have the conversations about how to scale and how to grow because there was a lack of literacy around actually this area of financial growth. Um, and so that, that also created a bit of a distance between investors and the startups. Um, so I think that's interesting as well from, uh, from you know, investors asking us, how do, we, how do we support these startups and scale them? Okay, well, first, we need to have more of an equal playing field and, and a balance of, of conversation, of back and forth, rather than you know, VCs waiting for um, and you know, picking startups. There needs to be an equal playing field. And I think that's where a lot of innovation hubs play a strong role in creating that neutral ground. Um, and it, they can play a role in catalyzing the moments and opportunities or events that bring, bring them together in an active dialogue. And I think sometimes that's what creates a bit of distance in the ecosystem, and we're trying to bring that together. We have um, five more minutes, so beside um, the questions that come in online, I would also like to invite you, um, if you have questions, now is the time. Um, raise your hand, um, stand up, and we'll hand over a microphone. Um, please um, say your name and where you're from and what your question is. Or should we pick from the audience? No one wants. Okay, then let's see. We... There are also no online questions. Yep. Cool. My name is Jan Henrik. I'm here in the ecosystem in Berlin uh, startups. Um, Stephanie, I really liked your um, explanation of like building ecosystems, uh, also B Corp, and could say also your um, uh, things things there and explaining how to do this. Uh, how 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 do you think is the approach of actually? Um, 
working in a B corporation, so more sustainable, uh, fair trade, eco-friendly. So is that something that you can, um, that you have like at your core in your program? So um, even talking about like uh, funding investment and stuff, that will be interesting to mingle around there. Absolutely. Um, thanks for that question. So um, Second Muse as a B Corp, every time we incubate or accelerate and work with startups, the B Corporation framework or the B assessment provides a fantastic sort of um, checklist of how to, how to build from the bottom up a company that considers social and environmental value at every layer. Um, and it's, it is a free tool, so there's a bit of a plug there. If you go to uh, the B Corp website, you can see a free tool that any startup business at any stage can use. And what I love about the movement is it actually starts to, um, I don't know a better way to say this, but maybe mainstream this idea of social impact, embedded social environmental impact, embedded into every company. Sometimes I wonder if the use of the word social entrepreneurship actually puts us in this mm. silo. You know, and we have actually changed the definition as though it's something different and new and strange. When really business at its core should always be and should has always traditionally been about advancement economically. And we, we need to be more inclusive, I think, of that term. Um, so Second Muse uses that approach with businesses we work with. B Corp's one of the frameworks we use. We use a number of other ones as well. I'd be happy to have a chat with you after this on our approaches too. Having a chat afterwards is the right keyword. Um, um, can we have a big applause for the panelists?